Welcome, friends. It's Catherine Sidman, Sidco Cat, and this is my podcast. As a cannabis industry professional for the last decade, I have unique access to the experts, entrepreneurs, and enthusiasts who make this industry great. Join me and my guests as we dive into the people, processes, and products that make up this wild ecosystem of cannabis, psychedelics, and emerging medicines. A friend was telling me recently about a sermon she had heard. The idea was that the only thing that could cast out darkness is illumination. And where there is darkness present, turn on the light and it disappears. Today, I'd like to bring some illumination to some of my own darkness. And by so doing, hope that I can cast it out as well. Now, keep in mind, this is really all about me and my internal garbage and dialogue. (laughs) What I learned at the end of the day is that um, my guest that I'm having on is wonderful. She always was, and whatever was weird about it was just within me. I met Elise McRoberts, the Hashinista, after getting a frantic text from a show organizer that they needed me to jump in and moderate a panel at the last minute. I hustled myself over there and showed up for duty. The panel was right up my alley. Extraction masters, for goodness sake. Each person on the panel was either a personal friend or someone I'm familiar with. Of course, I was the only moderator who could do them justice, and of course I would save the day, and of course you don't need to tell me how much you appreciate me. Wait, what? Don't worry about it. Elise will moderate? So even though I smiled and shook her hand and wished her well, there was no light in my heart at all. I was salty and put out and petty and generally self-absorbed and small. I sat down and watched the panel, and it was really hard to stay salty. I did my best. After all, Elise is a model, and that helps keep the fires of jealousy and judgment stoked up. But I listened, and I really liked what I heard. It was wonderful to be in the audience, looking up at Jessica from Chemchicks, Murphy, Propane Jane, my man Marcus from Nature's Lab. Watching the panel was my first opportunity to hear the Dank Duchess speak live, and I was there for all of it. Elise was absolutely the best possible moderator for that panel. I had all these feelings about it, still kind of swampy and dark in there. So instead of closing in around the darkness, I threw open the windows for some illumination. I invited her to be on the podcast. My motivation was not that I knew she would be an amazing guest, but it was because I wanted to get any darkness out of me. If this interview hadn't gotten me out of my own ego and into a relationship, I would have had to go to her house and wash her feet or something. It's a good thing for both of us that this conversation was illuminating and powerful. There's no shadow of darkness in me around Elise. Spending time with Elise in this interview didn't make me feel anything, but so happy to be connected with her. Whatever levels of my own imposter syndrome, body shame, general intimidation as a woman by women, her light outshined all of that for me. As I continue to grow and mature, I want to expose these places of ookiness in my heart to the light of truth so that I can better serve my family and my community. And as I do it, I want to be surrounded by positive and strong people to encourage me by their work and their example to level myself up another notch every day. Elise is in my circle now and what a gift that is to me. The next time things don't go according to my own plans, I want to be excited about the disruption and ready to see what good things are in store for me that would never have happened if I hadn't gotten out of the way. But enough about me, or maybe way too much about me. 
Get ready for a great conversation with a powerful brand builder in our space. She's smart, dynamic, creative, and her portfolio of clients reads a bit like listing the top shelf brands from every category of the dispensary. I say this a lot, but I mean it on all the levels today. Enjoy this conversation with the amazing Hashanista as much as I did. Well, this is good. This is good. Um, <clears throat> I've had a, I've had a crazy, <laughs> I've had a crazy morning, and I'm anticipating a crazy rest of the day. So, not today, Satan. Like this doesn't surprise me, but also, f that. Um, we we're talking. <laughs> I bet people have come to you even with marketing staff and they haven't known what their three things are, what their three pillars are. Have you had to walk a lot of companies through that process of like, who am I so that people can classify me and know what to do with me? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, most, if not almost everyone needs some guidance and, um, you know, the right questions asked. And it's actually kind of a longer process. I mean, it's really, like a deep dive sometimes with a, you know, a CEO and the, the whole leadership team of a company. Um, if it's just one person, then it can be one-on-one. Um, I even work with an agency, um, like for Doc Greens, uh, we yeah, had an agency work with us and we did a whole workshop. It was called Brand Speed um, with this agency, Essential Good. And that was an intensive, like, you know, everything from who are you? Why do you do what you do? Who do you think are your quote unquote competitors? Who do you want to be like or aspire to be in the same category as um, what? And then that helps you figure out, you know, your who your, your what's called your brand identity. And that helps figure out your positioning and then your voice. And then that will lead into things like your visuals and colors and logo. But yeah, there's a lot of work done first. If, if, in my opinion, if doing it the right way um, to really get to know, I mean, you want to get to the heart and soul of somebody or a, or a company or a brand. I mean, that's what a brand is. It's how something makes you feel in a way, right? It's like, mm-hmm. and people are fans of brands. People are consumers of products, but they're really like fans of brands. And they look at, if, if someone, um, you know, is loyal to a brand, they see that brand is part of their life. It's almost like mm-hmm. woven into their lifestyle, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I love that. I love that. And when you walk people through this, um, <clears throat> this process, um, so that they can better communicate their offering to clients, I imagine there are people listening who know that they need to do this work they're intimidated by it. They think this is going to be too expensive. I mean, we are in such a contracted market right now. The idea of a, of a spend that doesn't have like direct revenue, you know what I mean? Direct revenue results is hard right now. What would you say to people who aren't doing this kind of soft work around their company because they're really just focused on churning out products and, and that what, what are they missing that they don't even know that they're missing? They're missing that connection with their consumer and the difference between um, having a consumer and having a community. And they're missing that um, the brand is what leads people in many cases to buy the product. And I I do, they're equally important. I actually said this on the panel in in Canadelic, um, 
you know, after having a huge talk about branding and marketing, I said, please make sure you invest equally, if not more, into the quality of your product, because there is an epidemic in here or out here in California of a lot of beautiful brands. They've spent a lot of money on the branding, but the product is mids at best, you know, and <laughs> and and that's not the answer at all. Um, but just like everybody thinks their weed is the best, and I can tell you every grower or founder I've talked to is like, my flower is the best. It's like, okay, well, everyone says that. How do we communicate that and what makes yours the best? And really, it's I think it's essential and important to invest in your brand first and foremost, because you kind of, you really only have to put that big investment down once. And also mm. it doesn't have to be so expensive. Like I said, just authenticity can do it. I mean, it just, if you can't work with an expensive agency, you could probably find a the right consultant or someone to help or, you know, do a little Googling and find some articles and lead your own discovery brand exercise and just put in the time for yourself. Um, but it's really worth the investment because if you look at what products or, you know, even ask yourself, why do you drink the beer that you drink or, or buy the whiskey mm -hmm. that you buy or mm -hmm. the detergent when there's so many options, there's something in your head. And when you start to ask, look at yourself and other products that way, then, and then go back to yourself and think, well, why would I want someone to come to me and either for my service or my product? What, what do you want? What do we want them to know? It helps make it easier. Does you know, make you make, no, you make a great point. If you think about advertising for Coke and Pepsi, um, none of them are saying ours is the best tasting, right. like ours is fire. This soda is such fucking fire. You have no idea like how awesome Pepsi is fire. We have the best chemists. We have the best equipment. We have the best whatever. And it is so much better. We have click Coke. Those guys, they, they hired a just a, a chemist out of Oklahoma. He doesn't know anything. Our chemist is out of Colorado. He's been in this forever. Like, are you hearing that? And then at the end of the day, you pour them both in glasses. It's the same shit. It's the same shit. Like, yeah. what are their ads about? Their ads are not about hyping the actual product because at this point, the product is a known commodity. And if you're selling weed, it's kind of a known commodity, right? We're going to do some testing. We're going to have a TERP profile. We're going to have a THC concentration that's way overinflated, if you ask me. Um, yep. And so okay. there are those things. But I also know that when I buy either Pepsi or Coke, it tastes exactly the same every single time. It's exactly the same every time. Um, and of course, that's much easier with a with a mixture of chemicals than it is with an agricultural product. But, 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 you know, we, we can look to these other brands and you're right. You know, it's very easy to look towards, um, music and alcohol kind of branding and marketing and what's going on there. Um, I like music way better than I like alcohol, but I think, I think you're right. though. <laughs> Those are the that those are the places where we look and and in a way, um, that's the biggest challenging to me of cannabis marketing and brand building is that somewhere there is a farmer. This is an agricultural product that has unique from 
from harvest to harvest to harvest, whether those are indoor, outdoor, seasonal, whether you make your own seasons in a warehouse or you're living by the seasons in California, it is an agricultural product. And we are striving for that consistency every time. But there are some also some nuances that make it different. Absolutely. But I think there's um, there's great farmers who can still have a brand. I mean, Moon Maid Farms is a good example. A great uh, female, Tina and Mendocino, um, has built a beautiful brand. And when I think of what is Moon Maid Farms, well, it's a woman-owned, a female cultivator. She's about regenerative farming and, you know, giving back. And that's her brand. And so when I was at Doc Green's, we actually did a collab with Moon Maid Farms, and it was really cool to source her flour for our pre-rolls and then her fresh frozen for our rosin. And that's a good example of like-minded brands collaborating together and bringing something awesome to the consumer. And I think cannabis consumers are at least the, the smarter, or I shouldn't say smarter, the more mature ones know that, yeah, you're not necessarily going to get the exact same flour every time. But when you um, are loyal to a brand in cannabis, a certain cultivator or cultivation, it's because you know, you like their farming practices maybe, right? Or you at least know that, yeah, I like this flower brand because their flower is always super terpy. I don't care about the THC as much. I just, they all, or, you know, this cultivator uses their own genetics or this cultivator sources, but I like where they source from. And uh, I guess what I'm getting at again is brand, your brand is really your story. And it's how well you effectively share your story so that people can connect with you. And what do you want people to connect with? Um, Again, the regenerative farming is a good example because there's not that many people who do that, right? And so if that's what you're doing, you should absolutely make that one of your pillars. Um, Yeah, yeah, your pillars should be, be your differentiators in a way. You know, I love that. And I really do, um, I really do think that one of the things that the industry, I'm very, I'm very pro industry unity right now, you know, until, until we know where it's going. I don't like a lot of like infight or calling people out like this guy's that, this guy's that these, you know, I just, I like, I'm here for all of it. I'm here for all cannabis until we're such a grown up industry that our Coke and our Pepsi can fight about it. And that's fine with me, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. You know, there's so much work to do. The people are in jail for this shit. So until that's over, we need to be a unified force, right? Um, Absolutely. That being being said, um, I think there's a huge difference between regenerative, regenerative farming practices and just the... I mean, cannabis has it for a bunch of, for a plant that really appeals to hippie minded people. We have a terrible carbon footprint. It's bad girl. It is so bad. Indoor growing in Colorado and Michigan and, you know, the packaging and the plastic and the single use and the, all of it. I love the idea that moving forward, I mean, I would love it if in, five years, maybe 10 years, I'll be realistic. And I'll say 10 years when I am 60 years old, I was born the same year the drug war started in 10 years. I want to be able to go to my local farmer's market and pick up beets and greens and tomatoes and a jar of honey and my zip of nice, beautiful flour that I know was grown here where I live with beautiful practices. And I just want it to be part of 
the normal agricultural conversation in that way, you know? Yes, um, that's that's the dream, right? But I think to make that happen, yeah, I think it's we have to keep showing up. I mean, I'm going to push back on our, our regulators for, you know, that's why we have the packaging constraints that we do and these um, and those states where they only allow indoor growing, you know, that's we have to do our part to show up and stay activists to if the rules don't work for us or, you know, and don't work for the environment, let's do the work to change the rules. And we've all been so disheartened by the packaging BS here. And, you know, coming from a pre-roll company, I hated that, like, you know, the goal is to sell as many pre-rolls as possible, but every one we sell is in this plastic tube, like, oh, that's the worst, you know? Yeah. In a plastic tube, why in a box. Yeah. In a plastic tube, in a box. Child-proof? In a why, child-proof. Why? Yeah, <laughs> but you can't even leave the store without like the little zipper pouch. So I have a mylar zipper pouch with a cardboard box with a tube inside that I have to bite to open like I'm a pirate because I can't figure yeah. out how to open it any I other way. I carry scissors. I carry a scissors <laughs> on me at all times to open everything. And also, <laughs> let's let's point out that we're in California. We banned single-use plastic bottles for water. We mm. banned plastic straws did we mm. not and mm. we require all this additional plastic childproof packaging around a plant that technically a child couldn't even if they get the joint out of something because it's not childproof how can yeah. they light it they can't you know same thing yeah. with a vape cart you know it's yeah. just it doesn't make sense and the other thing i'll just say now because it has to be said but with federal full legalization, which would allow for interstate commerce, then we wouldn't have these states that need to grow inside and cause these crazy carbon footprints because they could source a lot of great sun grown yeah. from California and Oregon and all of the us who have a surplus, right? Right, right. And in some of these states where they banned outdoor growing, I mean, they could they could still grow outside, you know, I mean, they could, I think Illinois is one of those states, my home state, it's not allowed outdoors. And I don't understand that. I mean, I think everything yeah. in Nevada is indoor, I think, because Nevada is so prudish. What? I mean, I mean, Nevada, <laughs> Nevada, you're scared to see a plant outside. Do you know what shit is on your sidewalks? <laughs> Nevada. They have legal prostitution, which I, I applaud. So why can't we have legal outside I mean, growing? <laughs> you you feel that way. You feel that way. And it's like and I and I hate to. Ah, it's it's a complicated landscape and and we're here trying to make businesses and then with all of this added regulation these little dupe tubes look i have one on my desk these little tubes um it's not aren't even tax deductible and so with all that, with all of that punishment people are still lining up to get into this industry and i think um you know the people who get into the industry because it's a green rush god bless them i hope they make a ton of money I mean, good on you. But most of the people I know don't make a ton of money and they stay, they stay because they're passionate about it. Has that been your experience? Absolutely. I actually often say to people and whenever I have a chance that, um, and I got to give Aaron Smith from NCIA credit for this because it's something I heard at one of the first little NCIA meetups I went to back in like 2015 or something before Prop 64 passed. But he said, if you're in this industry or getting into cannabis for the money, don't, because there are far easier ways to make money. 
and it's very hard to make money in cannabis. And you need to be here for another reason because something else has to keep you going when you realize the money's not there and it's not easy and it's not quick. And that is still true today. And I tell it to everyone I talk to. I'm constantly also reminding people in other states and who aren't or even in the industry. I'm like, hey, it's not what you see in the media. We're not all rolling in dough. You know, no one's rich. Everyone's struggling. Pretty much everyone mm -hmm. I know is struggling. I don't I know very few people who are even making a profit. I, I can't think of anyone mm -hmm. really. But um, and then even, yeah, everyone's just trying to survive. We have a joke. We have a saying here. The best thing we got going is that we're still here. Like if, if you're still here in the market, you're winning. Okay. As long as right. you're here. It, it, um, and and we just, have cannabis. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's good, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> like if we were at a, I, if we were at like a 2008 real estate conference, it would be all the same sad sack people, but with no weed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, I do, you know, I'm sure that myself and a lot of other marketers or people with skills could honestly make probably double the salary in another industry. But I don't want to sell pharmaceuticals. I don't want to sell alcohol. I, I just, I can't imagine doing anything else with my time. And so I'm, I'm been fully okay doing the work because I love what I do. And you know, the money will come. I, I, at least I can pay my bills, you know, and right, I can, right. I, got, I got to go to Miami for a conference. You know, I, I do think it's like the things we invest in for our business um, are pleasurable. Like that was a great trip and um, it's all worth it. But yeah, you have to have a love for the plant and the community and the work that you're doing to, to stay in it here. Because I've seen the the green rushers and some of the people who come in and they think they can just build a brand and make some great margins and oh it's so hot and they don't last and some no. of them the ones who do last they're losing millions of dollars every year i mean the ones the race to the bottom and these companies who who can just wait it out and let the small people go out of business while they just raise more money they just raise another hundred million like there's, they're losing money. I mean, MedMen, all these big companies are are losing money, but that's how business works at the corporate level. They can lose that amount of money. A lot of these small companies just they or founders reach a point where they can't bleed anymore, you know? And but yeah, I think the key is love what you do, stay as lean as you can, slow and steady wins the race, right? Mm -hmm. like, that's kind of most my of the people thought. most of the people that we know that are overnight successes um worked t 10 years before regulation <laughs> and all mm -hmm. during regulation to become that overnight success you know and hit somebody and i yep. can think about brands that i know that you know all of a sudden they're the hype 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 dude was working for a real long time before he became the hype you know so it's yep. so that that idea that you work for five or 10 years to become an overnight success, I think is very true in cannabis. 100%. Well said. You know. um, yeah. Talk to me about um, what you do. What is the work uh, you're paying your bills? What are some of the projects that you do? Do you work for yourself? Do you, are you, do you work for um, other people? Tell me what you do. And I know that if you have an offering, people are going to want to jump in. So talk to me about some of the things that you offer. And what you do. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So 
I started my own company just last fall after stepping away from Doc Greens, where I was the CMO, um, so that I could work with more brands and more companies and essentially doing the same work that I've been doing for years, which is brand strategy and marketing and event production. But what I call it is I'm a growth specialist and uh, well, I specialize in growth and culture strategy. Um, and so I've got a few clients right now that I'm thrilled and honored to work with. One is My High, which is a water-soluble THC powder in a stick. So you can essentially infuse any beverage of your own um, with THC and these other great ingredients. And for them, uh, they're a client, but I have a title as Director of Growth. And I'm focused on, because they're a new brand and new form factor, it's a mix of um, marketing, branding, and sales. So I'm actually still on the sales side, which means just trying to get products on shelves in stores, which is honestly one of the hardest things to do here in California. 100%. Um, well, and know, they make it that way. Can we just take a yeah. minute? They make it that way. This whole distribution model where you can't sell directly, you have to go through distributors and distributors provide this sort of non-value added cock block. Am I allowed to say that even? Where's my mom? My mom needs to like do some editing here, but I'm so salty about it, Elise, because I know farmers who can't freaking get to market, forget finding space on shelves. They can't find space in the distro truck. Like they can't afford to invest their product into six months of a distribution dream. And then they might get the product back six months later. They don't want it. You know, and it didn't sell. It just, it's a mess. So forgive me, but I mean, I I see that challenge and that's, it's huge and it's real. Totally, totally. I mean, and that's just part of it. The other part is um, how competitive it is on the retail side and just how many, how retailers are, you know, inundated with so many new products and, you know, they're trying to shop for their consumers and there aren't as many consumers, I think, as we all thought. And yeah, it's just it's it's crazy, um, but we're making we're making it work, and it's exciting. Um, my high is definitely getting out there, and the response is great. And I love that I'm still visiting retailers for them. And actually, speaking of sales, I still um, I work with the Terp Hogs, the world famous breeders of the Skittles, and mm-hmm. uh, their brand is the original Z. And so I do just sales for them, uh, which I don't do for a lot of brands, but because they're, they're OGs and it's such a quality, like amazing product, I am proud and honored to represent it. And, um, and is that genetics? Are you selling genetics there through them? Well, we are, we have a full line. So we do, we have the Turpog seeds that yes, are available. You could buy them in, in, in a retailer that carries them, but we also have the whole original Z brand. It's called the original Z and we have pre-rolls, we have flour, we have our Zeus pods, which is a vape. And we have, of course, live resin and live rosin. Okay. I'm going to tell you what I think the difference is between live resin and live rosin. And you tell me how I'm wrong. Cause I'm, I'm sure that I'm I'm probably wrong. Okay. So when we say, when we say live, um, I'm thinking that it's of like a, either a fresh product or a fresh frozen product. So the flour was minimally dried or cured, put into some sort of freezer for preservation. And then rosin is going to be pressed and resin is going to be washed. 
Do Ooh, I have that wrong? Wrong. Do I have it? A little wrong. wrong. Okay. See, knew it. <laughs> Tell me. Close. Close. Okay. So close. So yes, the word live in both refers to fresh frozen, ideally um, the flowers frozen within an hour of harvest to preserve okay. that that quality or, you know, the, the expression of the plant at that moment. And then live resin actually refers to any product um, used with hydrocarbon extraction. Could okay, be butane, so that's going to be BHO. Be yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. I love it. Could, it's it's mainly BHO. Yeah. But it could yeah. be propane. It could be hexane, you know, like Marcus okay. was saying on the panel. Um, but yeah, so all the live resin is basically a flash or fresh frozen product hydrocarbon extracted, right? Got it. Live Got it. rosin, live rosin is also fresh frozen, but that's what's washed. You make ice water hash first. Okay, okay. And then and then you press the hash and that's what becomes live rosin. Now there's flower rosin, which involves just pressing the flower, like not frozen, obviously, because that wouldn't right. work, but just yeah. you're pressing the flower and that produces a darker um, quality or darker in color rosin and that you don't see as much in market anymore because mm -hmm. live live rosin and live resin became a thing but there was a brief moment where flower rosin was out there but live rosin is really I, I just love how simple it is fresh frozen flour ice water hash press that hash into rosin and then it used to be all about fresh press so then that's kept cold and goes out to market, but now we have the cold cure. And that basically means you take the the rosin, put it in about 55 degrees or a refrigeration and you allow it to do its thing. And the cannabinoids and terps like are still like, I don't know, working together, doing things. And so after a few days, yeah, you might yeah. see a terp layer on top of the rosin. And so then you uh -huh. stir it and um, you just let it cure. I, I know that um, all cultivars are different. And so some, one product might cure for a few days, one might cure for a few weeks. It's really up to the the processor, but I love, that's my favorite product to dab because once it's cold cured, it's pretty stable. The, the terps are stable. You don't have to worry about keeping it cold. It's not all sappy on your dab tool. And it's mm. just so terpy and delicious. It <laughs> I sounds love so terpy and delicious. And is that going to be under the original Z brand? Yes. Yes. Okay. Definitely. Okay. On dispensary shelves. Uh, I interrupted you. So keep oh, going no, on your product good. list. Um, but I, I, had to, I, I had to fact check myself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, another client that I'm really psyched to work with um, are the Heavy Hitters team. And they I started working with them last year to launch a product called Heavy Grand, which is a really unique product. It's a thousand milligram tincture in a large thousand milliliter bottle in a and sexy so, bottle in a sexy bottle it? like this is like top shelf bottle service beautifully branded comes in a box that this is like whatever you would get like the crown royal christmas box only way way better <laughs> you know oh what i mean uh, so i have it. seen yes. it i have seen it and tell me about that product and how it's being received yeah, with pleasure, because it, it was really something I was so psyched and honored to work on. And so they hired me or brought me on to do the launch. And we did, it was really cool. We created 50 personalized bottles pre-release. So before it was available in stores 
and personally or did hand Luna delivered get one? one. Did I see Luna, Luna get one? one? That's yes, why. That's yeah, when I saw it. Was I saw Luna get one? I was gonna Shout ask. Yeah, Luna. Luna. to see it. Shout out, Shout to, out Luna. to Luna yeah. from Icefire. Yeah. Oh, nice! You got the rig, the dab. I got the dab. I got the dab, and I, I love it. I love it. I puff cup. I'm so over it. That thing rips, right? That I love rips. it. I and I've never had to have my husband build me a new atomizer, which is like an every other week thing on the Puffco. So heavy hitters. So to keep going. Yeah. So the heavy grand, it was really cool. We um, delivered we these 50 bottles to 50 influential people in the cannabis movement in space in California. So Luna got one, Steve D'Angelo, Andrew D'Angelo, Nikki and Swami, Maya from Ohm Edibles, um, I can't forget our SoCal people, right? Dr. Dina Pinsky, but, and then activists like Amber Center. And we really wanted to have a diverse list of people who we felt would appreciate, well, people who we felt deserve the product because, hey, thanks for the work you've been doing in this space, you know, so that a product right, like this right. can exist. But then also be, the nature of the product. So Heavy Grand is, it's Acapulco Gold, it's strain specific. And it has real cannabis terpenes from Acapulco Gold in it. So it's not just a thousand milligrams of THC. It's also intentionally tastes like Acapulco Gold and made from just Acapulco Gold. And so there's really nothing like that. I mean, this is a time when everyone's going after trying to make everything not taste like weed or sugary right, seltzers. Right. And, things. and so we were launching this one extremely potent product and then two strain specific to Acapulco Gold, which is a legendary cultivar, right, that you rarely see anywhere nowadays. So it just made sense to get it to like OGs and legacy and trailblazers. And we called them the heaviest hitters in the industry. Oh, and I love it. So we delivered the bottles, which came, as you said, in this beautiful box. And then we had personalized letters for everyone. And yeah, I even just brought one to Tim Blake, uh, the founder of the Emerald Cup, not too long ago. And it, it's been so well received. It's been such a pleasure and honor for me to like, you know, get to deliver it to some of these people that I, I know and I, I admire, but, you know, and some of them are also friends, but, you know, I still admire them and respect them and look up to them. And so to be there when they are drinking it and going, wow, that's good. Or then to get the the feedback from them, like Nikki and Swami, Nikki loves it. She's been asking, like sent a huge write up and was like, where can I get more? And um, it's just, where it's can great. she get it's, more? It is. Um, let's see, where is it now? It was sold out for a little bit, but we did just restock. If you're up North, I think the closest place is Mercy Wellness, but there must be somewhere in the triangle that carries it. And so it. you can buy, there aren't THC limits on um, edibles on tincture? Well, so that's why it's a tincture and not okay. a beverage. That okay. is a compliance okay. thing. It is a tincture because of the thousand, uh, milli, sorry, thousand milligrams of THC. And that's mm -hmm. why it has a measuring uh, jigger instead of a dropper at the bottle, yeah. but there's something to measure it because a tincture by definition has always been something that you either are taking straight in its 
raw form, right, for your medicinal purposes, mm -hmm. or tinctures since Prohibition era actually have been used and added to drinks um, for flavor or for herbal remedies or teas. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're seeing a whole new category of what's called pourable tinctures. And so I guess mm -hmm. that's where heavy grand would fit in. But yeah, that's why it's a tincture and not a beverage because tinctures can be up to a thousand milligrams, whereas an edible or a beverage could only be a hundred milligrams. Okay. Got it. And you know, and those, those sort of things, I mean, on the one hand you think, oh, it's going to be so expensive because it's a thousand milligrams. On the other hand, you want to know what's expensive is paying $10 per milligram of THC in gummies. I mean, ridiculous. Oh, yeah. The low dose, like my husband is, um, is a little bit of a lightweight and has not done the due diligence to build his uh, cannabis tolerance like I have. He's not as dedicated to his tolerance <laughs> level. You got to show him and, the way. No, I don't. And so he, um, it was so cute. My friend uh, gave me some flour and shout out um, to Flower Days Farms um, here in uh, Trinity County. But they have this beautiful cultivar called, called Rose Lemonade. And the other night, you know, he was at the vaporizer and he was having some of that. And I swear he giggled out loud. And I said, baby, what's going on? And he's like, just laughing <laughs> just to myself, just laughing. And I texted her. I'm like, Rose Lemonade for the win. Dude's giggling over there spontaneously. But I get I him really, it. I get him really, like I get my edibles from like the homie hookup with like 100 milligram edibles for, you know, a dollar piece or whatever they are, like the, just come in an unmarked postal box. I get his at a dispensary and I get allegedly. him allegedly, allegedly, but he likes the wild. He loves wild gummies and they're so low dose and, um, but they're consistent. He loves them. He knows which flavor he likes for during the day and at night. And so I get him those, but every time I do, I'm salty about it. I'm like, this is, this is expensive, baby. I mean, you're worth it, but this is spendy. Super expensive. I know low dose yeah. things are expensive. They really are. And you know, the heavy grand it's, it is also expensive. I think it's 200 pre tax. Okay. However, okay. it is a, it's a special item. I mean, like we've said, it's the presentation, it's in a beautiful mm. box. It's something that's going to sit, you know, on your counter or your desk or somewhere mm. and look beautiful. And it's something I think that people enjoy either, on a special occasion or like in Nikki and Swami's case, Nikki can't smoke as much as she used to. And those, for those who don't know, Nikki and Swami are almost like, I think this year will be their 20th year judging the Emerald cup flower. So they're flower people. They have their own brand, they're cultivators, Swami select. But um, Nikki loves it because when, since she can't smoke as much, she says at night, she just has her little bit of heavy grand over ice and just, you know, has a nice, buzz or elevation and then, you know, gets ready to go to sleep. And a lot of the people I've um, been talking to about it who also received bottles, you know, say it's, yeah, like an alcohol replacement for them or, you know, they just, they love it. I personally absolutely love it. I've made seltzers with it. I'm, I add it to my tea. Like I basically just boil water and put a little bit in there. And then it's like, I have an Acapulco gold tea. Um, so a long way of saying that, 
even if you spend a couple hundred bucks on this bottle, it'll probably last you a month or two, depending how much you're drinking. Basically a half ounce is 15 milligrams of this product. So you can really stretch that out. Or as someone else said, well, they're like, well, still you spend a couple hundred bucks, you could get a whole party high with that bottle or something. Truth. (laughs) And, and that is so much fun. I love, um, I love parties where there's an alcohol. I'm not a drinker. So I, I should say that a different way. I, I have been a very excellent drinker in my past and I am no longer, <laughs> but oh my gosh, um, me too. we're the same. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was good at it. I mean, Jesus explained it to me. I had a very generous lifetime supply of wine. He set it out for me. I just have unfortunately <laughs> consumed it all already. So oh, yes. the well is like, dry. I- yeah, I said I loved drinking so much, so, so much that, yeah, I, I drank enough and now I, I don't drink anymore because I have all this great cannabis to drink, which wasn't possible 10 years ago. You know, right. I think it would have been a lot harder. Yeah. So that I, I'm so grateful that products like this now exist, really. You know, it's uh, me too. Funny. And I can't wait. Here's what I can't wait for. Um, I was just speaking with um, a very well known science conference part of the mj biz family and um they were telling me about all their sponsorship opportunities and when i see sponsorship opportunities for mimosas and cocktail hours and beer hour and stuff i always say even when i have no intention of sponsoring just because i'm using my email as a vote are there any cannabis consumption opportunities to sponsor are there any cannabis Thank consumption opportunities? Are there any cannabis consumption opportunities? Because you know what I'm really sick of, girl? I'm really sick of going Preach. to a place and having all the cannabis dollars. We're all making money on cannabis dollars. The hotel is, the convention center, the city. Everybody's making money on cannabis dollars. But all we can do is sit around over a fucking Bud Light between four and five on the conference floor. And I just have a little bit of a giant F that attitude. So I can't wait for us to be somewhere where it's a cannabis conference and we're not having mimosas for brunch. We're having a food pairing with cannabis or we're having, you know, a heavy mimosa. Yes. (laughs) I want a heavy mimosa. That's what I want. No, I'm with you. And thank you for saying that because it's, uh, like something I've been saying for a long time too, how annoying it is. Yeah. We have these cannabis events and then, yeah, the networking or the mixer, it's like, here's some free cheap beer and wine. And that's all we get. And it's, and I've been to so many, even like private events and they're like, come to this private event and it's on a rooftop and it's all, it's just alcohol. And I have no problem. I bust out my Puffco peak and I will start dabbing right there. I will light up a joint almost anywhere because fine, kick me out or get me in trouble. But I'm going to prove my point that like we're here around cannabis and that's what we should find a way to be able to consume it. And one of my MOs is almost every time there's a conference or one of these non-consumption events, which I think are pointless, how can we talk about cannabis when we can't consume it? I always throw my own party the night before or the night after that's a consumption event. We did it last year, the night before the cannabis drinks expo in South San Francisco, my high, the client I mentioned earlier, I said to them, I said, Hey, if we're doing this expo, you know, it's non-consumption. I'm like, let's throw a party where people can actually enjoy our product, invite our retailers, bud tenders, you know, whoever's in town. And it was great. We teamed up with Potley, another brand an edible brand. We had uh, the cannabis beverage association as a sponsor support us. 
Um, we got a private space we did in San Francisco. I hired Warren Bobro, the famous um, cannabis mixologist and author of the first cannabis cocktail book to be our mixologist. He whipped up amazing craft alcohol-free mocktails that then we added my high to. And, and then Potley, we had food coming um, out of the restaurant and people could add their infused sriracha or honey. And we even had another brand there, Artet. And going back to our conversation earlier about no competition, like I don't see, I work with a lot of different brands and, you know, some might say like one RTD competes with another RTD and RTD standing for ready to drink beverage. But we don't see it that way. A lot of the clients that I work with, like my high had no problem inviting Artet to be part of our party. You know, we both make something that could be, dr- you know, drink um, right, or teach right. the form. Because we're not oh. competition yet. We're not competition we're not. Yeah. until people and are like, out of jail. We're not competition until these are national brands and it's Pepsi and Coke throwing down. We're not competition yeah. yet. We're here together. We're not. We're right. here together. And, I, and I, it was a great, it's just, it's better for the community and the consumers and for everyone, because it's not like you can, you should only consume one type of cannabis or one brand. I mean, it, there's so many different ways and beautiful ways to consume it the same way. Like I don't buy just one type of coffee or bread. Like I love, you know, if I'm in a new area or new locality, trying the local flair, trying something new, um, flair, fair. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important to say. And yeah, just back to like being able to consume cannabis when or in instead of alcohol or at least in the same place. I know that's completely illegal, but I, what my dream is in five or 10 years is we should be able to be in a space. And if, if so, if Joe wants to have a drink and get a beer or a tequila on the rocks, go for it. And if I want a yeah. heavy grand on the rocks or you know, a my high in a, in a craft mocktail that we call a high tail, then I should be able to get that. And why do we have to have these separate spaces? But I think the point you were making earlier, which I also agree with, is I think you were going to say that you love these events where it's only cannabis consumption and no one's consuming alcohol and what a higher vibration that provides. Um, mm-hmm. I've thrown a handful and of mushrooms. Yeah. Okay. We can talk about that. Yes. All right. Thank you. And psychedelics. Yes. You know, it it, it is. It's good. It's good. I like it. It's a really, it's, um, I got to say like one of the first big events I produced was the NorCal Canna Cuisine Gala in 2017. And it was a farm to table dinner with optional infusions, multi-course, zero alcohol. But this was like a, a couple hour event. And um, I had music, I had after dinner sampling, but one of the musicians told me after the event, I'll never forget this. He said, I loved the event so much. I've never been to anything like that. It was so cool that as, as the evening went on and people had a couple more milligrams, how the conversation and vibe got higher instead of people getting sloppy and drunk or annoying. He's like, it just, everything kept vibrating higher and the night got better and people were more interesting and fun. And this is from like a rock and roller, you know? So he's been to his fair right. share of parties. And right. it was at that time back in 2017. And I still, there's, or I still think there's a lot of people who have never been to an event where it's only cannabis and no alcohol. And I've now done a handful of them 
And it's really a noticeable difference. Yeah, no one's drinking, but everyone's either smoking, dabbing, drinking cannabis, and yeah, maybe microdosing on some mushrooms. I once served mushroom tea at a party. <laughs> and um, it Absolutely. really you can you can you can feel it. You can just feel it in the vibe. And again, I'm not I'm not knocking drinkers. I used to be one. No, I, not at all. You know. And I, I, I still love me. I love a good club. I love a good concert. I love going out. I have no problem being around people who are. It's not always that case, but it is. It's just something that, you know, I definitely challenge anyone to try that experience. You know, if you're an event producer or throw parties, maybe try throwing one where it's it's a alcohol-free party, but there's all other types of psychedelics available. Cannabis is a psychedelic plant, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, love I love it. I love, I love doing it. it. And I, and I think that that's part of, so we're kind of circling back to where we started in just a beautiful organic way, but you know, that idea that you can't have sexy, fun, empowering pictures on your Instagram and then go to the boardroom on Tuesday morning for, you know, the meeting with whatever that's bullshit. The idea that, I mean, I had a, I, I worked for a fella who would get so drunk at these events, I finally just had to say to him, like, boss, I'm going to handle this dinner by myself because I can't have you reaching across to the client and touching his beard again and being so drunk (laughs) that you go, what does a beard feel like? I can't grow a beard. I'm like, I'm sorry that you're like Nordic... Nordic pasty white self can't grow a fabulous beard, but you're not allowed to get tanked and touch my clients that I bring, you know, you're just not allowed to. Um, Cause dude looks at me and he leans over and he's like, if your boss touches me again, not only are we not doing business, but I'm going to fucking clock him. And I'm like, dude, do it. He needs it. He's got it coming. But this was the same individual. This was the same individual who, when I left and I walked around, you know, we were in a little business park or whatever. And I would go on a walk at lunchtime, like a little 30 minute walk. And I'd have my vape pen or I'd smoke a joint and I'd come back in and he'd say, absolutely can't do that during the day. You know, there's no consumption here. We're not that kind of cannabis equipment company recently purchased by um, a holding company. And I was like, I'm, I'm just not here for that. <laughs> like, number one, I, I, I can't. I can't. I mean, the, the levels of hypocrisy are too deep here for me to begin to yeah. unearth them from you. But understand, if you want, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm bringing. I'm not breaking any laws. I'll proudly tell people at church on Sunday that this tithe check comes from weed and mushroom money. And that's where mama makes her dollars. So when I when I share my dollars with you, if you don't like that, tell me now, I'll give them to somebody else. Um, Amen. But the levels of hypocrisy are too deep, girl, too deep. And I, and I don't want to be a hater on anything and I don't want to let my own, you know, inability to handle alcohol in my life reflect poorly on somebody who doesn't have an issue. My husband doesn't have an issue with it at all. Drinks or doesn't drink, doesn't matter, you know? But the idea that somehow I diminish myself in the boardroom because I'm consuming cannabis at a cannabis company, like I can't, I can't. No, <laughs> I can't. No, I can't. I can't. You know what? That's what I had to make a little rule for myself that I won't work with or for companies or CEOs who don't it's who don't consume. But then I changed that because I'm like, okay, it's not that they have to consume themselves, but if they look down upon consumers or people who consume. That's it. Because I once, yeah, I worked for, there was a former CEO um, at Doc Greens, which they, they wound up 
parting ways with him, rightfully so. Um, but this was well before we even got into market. But I, first of all, it was annoying to constantly have to explain what things were to somebody whose company it was, you know, because they don't consume it and they don't know it. But then it was, it was annoying to hear, you know, yeah, is somebody kind of talk about, oh, stoners or, you know, our product's not for like those kind of stoners or, you know, you, you're not, you don't like use it all day, do you? Are you high all day? Wow. You, and I'm like, okay, I just, I can't like, yeah, you don't. I have cannabis have leaf pasties on. I have cannabis leaf pasties on under this and I'm about to yep. show them to you if you ask me that one more time. <laughs> oh, oh, these people. God. And, you know, right? the authenticity. So we're back to really where we started. You said authenticity is rule one. And um, and I guess I should be glad. I should be glad because as much as I've tried to, like, you know, a lot of times in my life tried to, like, tamp down, like, cat, keep it together. Don't be so much. Like, the not so much right now. Like, I am who I am. You know what I mean? And as I'm, I'm 50 freaking years old and I'm not tamping anything down anymore. And it kind of, if you don't like it, then I guess you're not here for it. And that's all right, too. And um, being authentic in the space means being authentic about the plant. And, and my hope for us, you know, you and me, Elise, as we move forward, but certainly for this industry, is that authenticity, that we would see authentic, we would see the authentic truth. And then we would move towards the truth that we resonate with and that is good for us and that um, brings some positivity and that we would also see authentic truth that we don't like. And we would just know that that's not for us. And that's yep. it. You know, I, I said to well, actually someone else from uh, Canadelic, a, a woman who I hadn't met before, but we were on the same panel and she sent me a message afterwards uh, thanking me for what I said. I, I said something about MSOs and she said, you know, thank you for saying that. It's it's hard for me to speak up. You inspired me. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm glad because sometimes my passion overrides my common sense. And I say things that maybe <laughs> I think I, I shouldn't have said. But in this case, it seems that I said something I should have said. And I'm so glad it resonated with you because there's a battle going on and there is an us versus them in cannabis. And it's the us, the real plant people versus them, the people who don't care about the plant and only care about mm -hmm. money. And mm -hmm. I'm, and I said to her and I said, I'm glad to know you're one of us and that it's just right. that simple. It is. I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but there's a battle and it's us versus them. And us is, it doesn't, you don't, you don't have to, in order to qualify as us, it doesn't mean you have to be a legacy operator, been doing this for 20 years. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, you should have some clout that others don't. It just means that you care about the plant and that the plant and the movement and the community as a whole means more to you than your bottom line and your profit. It means that you're not willing to compromise your ethics or your values for money. That's what it, the us versus them means to me, you know, like you don't have to consume cannabis at all. And you could still be one of us because maybe you're fighting for the rights of, you know, your medical patient family member or, you know, whatever reason you don't consume, mm -hmm. but you still mm -hmm. believe in plant medicine and believe in good business practices and believe in supporting small business and craft producers. You're one of us, you know, you're mm -hmm. not one of us. If you think it's okay to, you know, bleed others out of the market and, you know, undercut everyone and do shady business practices and put out stuff that, you know, is low quality and, and, you know, you're willing to just 
put out crap really just so that you can make money. That's, that's not us in my opinion. No, I'm one of us girl. I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. Um, at least I want, I know people are going to want to tap into what you got girl. Um, give me all the ways people can be in touch with you. Um, so that they can. Oh, thank you. I'm super easy to find. I'm at Elise McRoberts on Instagram or at the Hashanista. Do you want me to spell those? Uh, you know what? I'm going to have them in the show notes. I don't think you need to. Okay, um, cool. Hashanista, Hashanistas, like you think it would be an Elise, E-L-I-S-E, McRoberts. It's spelled like you think it would be. And, um, you're fabulous and I'm here for it. And I'm also, um, I just want to speak a blessing over you. I just feel called to speak a blessing over you of, um, success and wisdom. And, um, and I see you and, and what you have is really beautiful and really strong and, um, it inspires me. So I'm thankful for you. Oh, Kat, I'm thankful for you. Thank you so much for (laughs) inviting me on to chat with you and wow that just gave me little chills and oh, yeah, well if it gave you a little you. chill that's from that's from god that's a bonus oh i don't give chills yeah. god gives chills <laughs> well truly thank you i've loved talking with you and i want to come visit you in trinity <laughs> we'll do it we'll do it the hash i love coming to the triangle <laughs> at least mcroberts you're amazing Thank you, Kat. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Insert record scratch here. Baby, could you really insert a record scratch there? Okay, thanks. Carbon Chemistry is a leading supplier of materials used in cannabinoid purification and distillation. Years ago, Manufacturers lacked a reliable source for acquiring chemicals used to make cannabis oil. Carbon Chemistry solved that problem by providing a variety of proven, hand-selected products for the industry. You have high standards and you should, because you have a legitimate business to run. We believe our industry deserves the same level of professionalism and reliability other markets enjoy. Working with Carbon Chemistry means you'll be respected, supported, and heard. We will be timely, consistent, and thorough in all that we do. And if we ever mess up, we'll make it right. That's our commitment to you. When you purchase Carbon Chemistry Media, we promise the highest quality, best price, and consistent results. Oil purity is a direct result of the materials and processes used during production. The most respected brands trust Carbon Chemistry's array of absorbance and filtration media when quality is of the essence. Carbon Chemistry exists to make your life easier. We want to help you develop the best products available and keep your customers coming back for more. Let's exceed your customers' expectations together. Reach out today and see why leading brands trust Carbon Chemistry and you should too. Tell them Kat sent you. <laughs>